This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. Hey folks, you know who's back. He makes an appearance once a season, at least. My good man, friend, J.R. Foresteros. Yo, y'all already know this is going to be dope AF. Come on, listen in, check it out. You already know our JR. If you don't know JR, hey, click on them show notes and, and get to know this brother. Ready? Come on. We have enemies within our country. I think it's a combination of demonology and psyop. The citizens are going to rise up and become deputized. I have always heard President Trump. I, I like the way he talked. He reminded me of most men. Joe Biden last night in the debate, hes it's like he's not even a human being. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represented extremism. Can you imagine repatriating all the black Americans that Pat just spoke about to Africa? Now, this is the evidence. You want me to make an act of faith, risking myself, my wife, my woman, my sister, my children, on some idealism which you assure me exists in America, which I have never seen. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins, faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, or even out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. And look, We won't be trying to answer difficult questions. Rather, we'll be engaging them and asking better ones regarding faith, race, gender, and religion. I'll be your host, Daniel White Hodge. Um, JR, welcome back to Profane Faith, your yearly, uh, uh, um, you know, time on the show, our, our field reporter in Texas for profane <laughs> faith. It's great down here, Dan, let me tell you. <laughs> That's yeah. right. I heard. I heard. So many great things. Second to, to Florida, right? <laughs> yep. Yep. We're, we're really in a race to the bottom. So, <laughs> um, so catch us up, man. What's been happening? I'm, I still, I, I still am uh, feeling the good vibes and good energy I got when I came to see y'all. Back, I guess seven months ago now, right? It was a while ago now. Yeah, it's hard to believe, man. It was, man. If the weather there was so great, and nice, and good, to <laughs> amazing places to eat out there, man. I was like, woo. If you're uh, a Chicagoan, winter is a great time to visit Texas. I'm just saying. It really is. I was wearing shorts, fam. Shorts in January, so that was that was felt good. <laughs> felt really good. But yeah, catch uh, us up. Yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, you know, it has been it has been quite the uh, quite the tumultuous time for Texans. I, I'm sure many of our uh, ridiculous uh, political farce and theater have made national news. I'm sure some of the listeners have been following, but our you know our governor is posturing at the border. Uh, you know, trying to trying to demonize and criminalize refugees. Still, uh, we we have passed some anti-queer legislation particularly some anti-trans legislation okay uh one piece of legislation legislation that did get it didn't get struck down but it got killed by ignoring it you know i guess they have like a time limit whereas if if the house doesn't hear a bill from the senate in such and such amount of time by the time the legislative session is over then the bill's dead um that was one that uh mandated that the Ten Commandments be displayed in every public school classroom. Yeah, 
Um, but one that did pass is one that authorizes schools to hire chaplains uh, in addition to or even in lieu of guidance counselors. Uh, and the best part of that bill, and best, of course, is you being used deeply ironically there, is that there are no qualifications for what this chaplain should like oh. should have. Oh, no. So, I mean, for instance, for instance, uh, if you want to be a military chaplain, yeah, you have to you have to have credentials from ordination credentials from a recognized denomination. I think you also have to have a master's degree from an yeah. accredited university. So, I mean, it is. You can't just like, you know, get online and get an ordination from the Universal Life Church like you do to marry your friends yeah. and then go be a military chaplain. Right. However, in Texas, you don't apparently you don't even need any ordination credentials. You can just say, you know what, I'm going to go be a school chaplain. Um, wow. So what could go wrong? Right. right. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. This will be great. Um, yeah. Wow. I had heard about that. I had heard, uh, well, at least read about it in the Washington Post about how the governor was trying to get the Ten Commandments back. And I did not know that about the chaplains. That is that is wild, man. Wild. It really is. I mean, just just bonkers. Uh, and and again, I, I don't know that the folks. So, for instance, there was a there was some bill that got passed or uh, I don't know if it was a state Supreme Court decision or something a while ago. They just keep coming so fast. I can't keep up with them. But yeah. it allowed in God we trust to be posted in schools. And so some groups donated signs in Arabic. Uh, and, you know, of course, the Arabic word for God is Allah. Allah. So it, in Arabic, it said in God we trust, but it's in Allah we trust. And this will shock you, Dan. Oh. But the schools did not want to post those for some reason. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh! And, Why? and so I'm, I know, right? It's a mystery. Uh, no one, no one can tell what the reason might be. Uh, but I, I'd like. I wonder what's going to happen when some of these school districts in some of our larger cities, like Dallas, like Houston, uh, have uh, schools where there is a large minority or even a majority of Arab students where a, an imam or, uh, again, an uncredentialed, uncredentialed Muslim person wants to be a school chaplain, you know? Right. Like, again, there's no uh, there's no qualifications that would disregard them. Yeah. And so I can imagine I can imagine the 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 folks who are conservative slash fundamentalist Christians who are behind a lot of the push for these laws uh sort of seeing the laws come to come back to bite them in a way that they they didn't anticipate right um right so. right well i mean i think that's i mean i mean those and those are prime examples right of when you talk about religious freedom i mean it's it's, it's usually mm -hmm. met it's usually meant right <laughs> <laughs> what's that yeah, my freedom. My like, freedom, my, right, me, exactly, just me, exactly. Just me, not you, me. Oh, man. Well, and, and that's, I mean, I think that's that's what we're seeing kind of across the way. It's like, let's protect the children from queer and trans books. But hey, you not, know. Not school shootings. Not yeah. school, right, exactly. Yeah. If you want to be 18 and go out and buy, you know, massive amounts of things that can kill other people, uh, it's okay. It's okay. Okay. You know, in fact, you know, you have to be 18. Don't even worry about it. Because was it Texas or Florida or Arizona that passed it? You need, now you don't even need a concealed carry permit. Like you I believe just, it was Florida. I'm pretty sure that was DeSantis. Okay. All right. All right. So, wow. Okay. All right. And um, 
Um, I definitely want to talk some pop culture with you, man, uh, some material, because there's, there's a wealth of that out there. But uh, I'm curious to know, how are you as a pastor surviving these things and, and the trials and tribulations of, of being in a Southern place? Although I will say Dallas is, there's, you took me some very progressive places when we uh, were there. And I will say that's, that's some uniqueness. I wish I had grown up in cities like that in Texas. I think my, my, my view of Texas would be a lot different had I grown up in places like that or Houston, you know, just a little bit bigger than a town of a population of 1200. Right. <laughs> and being the only black kid. So, but yeah, right. how, how are you, how are you surviving out there, man? What's, what's, what will you do for, for life? Yeah. You know, um, I mean, like you said, there, there are plenty of folks in my city and certainly in the larger Metroplex that are like-minded. Um, you know, when I, I, so I wrote an article for Sojourners about the 10 commandments and it, it was, it was very much a, a tongue in cheek article that, that wondered what would happen if the politicians who were trying to pass the 10 commandments bill actually had to follow the 10 commandments, you know? Um, <laughs> so, right. um, had, had a lot of fun with that article. And, uh, I also, uh, completely randomly was got interviewed by a national news network. I was there talking head in Texas as a okay. pastor who said, who was against, you know, the 10 commandments bill. Uh, they apparently thought that was strange that there'd be an evangelical white Texas pastor who didn't think it was a good idea to post the 10 commandments in classrooms. <laughs> uh, and, and so, you know, when I, when I, when I shared both of those, the interview and the article, you know, uh, again, a lot of support, a lot of people sharing those things, a lot of, you know, engagement, um, but it it's it's tough. I mean, we, back in June during Pride Month, the a random Yahoo who runs a a website that claims to be the local chapter of the GOP in our city, though I don't. It doesn't seem to be affiliated with anything. And I don't know. You know, anyone can have a blog. I don't know if you knew that, Dan. But uh, really, I did <laughs> not know. just like the chairs of the chaplains would be anything. Have exactly a blog. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. So he 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 sent out an email to every pastor in our city, uh, telling wow. them that he was deeply concerned that Rowlett was hosting our first ever Pride event at the end of the month, and he had not heard any pastors speaking up against it. And so he included a survey that that wanted us to that wanted to know how we felt about. Uh, the issue of the gays the g and um, and he he said that he was going to post it uh, at the end of the month. And if you did not fill out the survey, silence would be considered endorsement. And he would tell he would post that your church supported it if you didn't say anything. Wow. Just like now, Jesus did way, way back. You know, what I'm saying? totally right <laughs> now. Again, I'm very publicly affirming. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I spoke at our city council meeting a couple of years ago when uh, we first lit the water tower up for pride and spoke in favor of it. So, I mean, I'm on video and on government record yeah. and all over my own social media, right? It's not, not a secret that I'm affirming. Um, but I know a lot of other pastors either who are not affirming or who are, but for various reasons, you know, choose not to be public about it which are both places that I have been in my own journey. So I'm very sympathetic to those positions um, that they would feel, you know, bullied and trapped yeah. by this kind of thing. Also, this guy was obviously just a jerk and I was bored. So I, <laughs> he also didn't reply. He didn't blind copy everyone. He just put everyone in the email. So oh. I could very easily reply all to everyone. 
Wow. Okay. <laughs> so All I, right. I crafted a I crafted a very uh, nice but uh, pretty direct email back to all of the pastors, you know, and I was just like, let's remember that people like this are not worth our time. And, you know, we have good work to do. And I'm just, I'm just reminding you that you don't need to respond to this, you know? Um, and it turned into this whole thing where the guy and I went back and forth several times. And I, I suggested that he maybe doesn't know Jesus as well as he thinks he does. And <laughs> if you'd like to get together and talk about who Jesus, cause like to your point that you just said, right? Like right. Jesus would never have treated someone like this. Right. right. Um, I got, I went back and forth with the, the guy at first Baptist down here, which first Baptist, Texas, all the stereotypes are true. Like whatever you thought that's correct. You know, he wow. preaches almost every week about how bad the gays are and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And, um, he and I went back and forth a few times and you know, all this stuff. Uh, and so then, you know, pride rolled around and I went to the event. It was a great little event, especially for our first time. And I met a number of citizens there who like came up to me and personally thanked me for my being one of like three pastors in town who will publicly stand with the queer residents of the city and, you know, advocate for and defend and, and all of that. And yeah. so it just, it reminded me that, um, as as irritated as I got about that email and all of the subsequent conversations and as much time as it took out of my week to deal with all of that, at the end of the day, there was nothing at stake for me there because I'm a cis hetero pastor who could have just ignored everything and, you know, gone on. And for a number of our citizens, uh, it's really scary for them, mm. you know, because a lot of the legislation is targeted at taking their rights away rights that in many cases they've only gotten in the last decade or, or yeah. so, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it, it, like, it was just a reminder that even, even little things, you know, make a big difference, wh which, which at the same time is both really encouraging and really terrible. Like me, me taking time to troll a troll via email shouldn't be that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. Okay. Like maybe if it makes me giggle, cool. Right. I did that instead of watching hot ones interviews on YouTube, uh, whatever, <laughs> but like that it made such a, that it meant so much to a number of our queer residents. Like it's too bad that it doesn't, it takes that little to make such a big difference. You know, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, no, absolutely. Like the the bar is incredibly low, and it's sad that a pastor doing, frankly, as little as I did during Pride means so much. Man, that's um, deep. That's deep. So, yeah. No, no, no. I mean, but, I, it, it, go ahead. No, it just it just reminded me, like the work is worth doing, and it matters, and however however arduous or annoying or painful I find it, it's a drop in the bucket, you know, compared to what queer folks have to endure just for waking up and walking out their front door yeah. or got logging onto social media, you know? Let me ask you this uh, and, and see what you think, just again, from a pastor's and, you know, being in that environment, you know, perspective, what, what do you see like on the streets as what and why that meaning activism things moving forward backwards stalemating um it it we've entered a an interesting era with at least with where we're at as a society i think it's just as a species 
you know, the planet, <laughs> all those things, right? It's like, or what, what are we going to do? I mean, I think about, you know, like here a couple weeks ago, I mentioned this on the show a while back that, you know, we got over 24 hour period, we got over five and a half inches of rain, you know, just dropped it. Like we're dry. We were dry, drought, the whole thing. Water restrictions are on the horizon and like five and, you know, plus inches of water in less than a 24 hour period. So, and right now, at least as we're recording this, I know on the East Coast, Connecticut, places like that, you know, there's, they're just getting murdered, right? I mean, there's like eight inches, eight, nine inches. So that's just, that, so there's a lot of things. So I'm just curious, like when you talk with folks, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? Or, 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 you know, how do you see us pulling forward or is it more micro? Is it more micro? Um, how does that look? For me? That's a big question. I know, but yeah, hopefully that some of that made sense. So there's a couple things that have been weighing on me in, from that perspective. One, uh, you know, when I posted or when, when the news program that interviewed me posted my interview, uh, someone in the comments said, Texas is such a pretty shade. It's a, sa a shame. It's so conservative or something like that. Or so many Republicans or something. And I said, I responded and I said, so actually, we're at least a purple state, mm -hmm. if not, if not pretty close, like leaning blue. The problem is it's voter suppressed and gerrymandered, you know, um, the, the 2020 election should not have been as close as it wasn't close once all the numbers were in, but it should not have been as close as it was. Um, the, the, the GOP has spent 40 years, uh, 50 years, right. Since, since yeah. the Southern strategy in the seventies, right. Um, really, really carefully orchestrating, uh, things so that they have power, even when they're in the extreme minority, you know, when you, when you look at demographic information, all that kind of stuff, right. It's just, it's amazing to me, uh, it's amazing to me the the gap that exists between who who gets put in the seats of governance and who who people want there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and again, that's by design. I, I think it was Michelle Alexander and New Jim Crow, right? That said the system's not broken; the system's doing what it was designed to do. Um, and that only changes through activism. Okay, right. Uh, I mean, again, I go back to the civil rights movement, you know, things changed because people put their bodies on the line and made the invisible visible. Yeah. Right. Like that, that was the whole, that was the whole purpose. I mean, that's what Gandhi did in India. That's what King and, and all of the civil rights leaders did. There was making the invisible visible. And I think, I think we're getting better at that as a society. I mean, I, I, if you go back to the 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 core of Christianity, that's what Jesus was doing on the cross, right? Yeah. He was making the violence of the empire visible to to the people, right? Yeah. And saying when you when you buy into this system, this is the this is the output you get, you know. So so leave it with me and do this other thing with me, you know. Um, I, I think. I think until we until we really grapple with what these systems are, you know, that's this is what Marx did with capitalism, right? This is what this is what Foucault did with uh, prisons, with 
sexuality. This is all. I mean, so we have these philosophers who have long been doing this good work. I think that's a lot of what BLM has been trying to do as as the various you know components of that movement with policing and with mass incarceration. You know, is taking all of these all of these structures that are present in our society that people just assume is the way things are. Yeah. And, yeah. then, and then trying to make them visible. I, uh, Andre Henry, who I know you've had on the show, yeah, he's yeah. terrific, right? This is his things don't, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. This is his mantra, right? Um, and I know he's educated himself so that he can train people to see the invisible things. And and once we can see them, then we can change them, you know? Yeah. But I hope, this is where I hope, right? The, those are things I know. What I hope is that as as a species we are evolving to the point where more and more and more of us have access to these things you know i don't know how many people in medieval europe were wondering about the feudal system and how it got there and you know (laughs) like how (laughs) it could be changed some were i mean we had we even then we had some philosophers and and people who were asking those questions but i think the vast majority of the the people in that system whether they were the peasants who were supporting it or the nobility who were taking advantage of it i don't know that they like questioned it that much yeah. and it just seems to me like we have a greater percentage of people in this late stage capitalistic system that we have who are saying well how did this happen and does it have to be this way well it wasn't always that you know uh who are who are at least asking if it can be changed which then i hope leads to how it might be changed which then i hope can lead to what are we going to change it into you know yeah um but gosh that's going to take that that takes a concerted effort to educate ourselves about things that were intentionally kept from us yeah right Mm -hmm. like there's a reason the systems are invisible and it's not because there are not mechanisms that make them happen there certainly are it's because they were they were shuttered to the back of society so that we don't ever think about them so that we don't ever question them so that we don't ever try to change them and yeah i mean i i think about this all the time as a pastor right like how do how do i preach about voter suppression you know how do I preach about uh, sexuality when yeah. I think the sexuality of the Bible was so different from our sexuality today? <laughs> uh, the way they thought babies happened, right? The way uh, what they thought happened when a when a penis went into a vagina, right? Like what they even thought a penis and a vagina were, like <laughs> right? Like all of those things are so different. The assumptions are so different um, that what we tend to do is take the take the tip of the iceberg text and take it from the iceberg of the ancient world and plop it onto the iceberg of our modern world and assume that because because the translators used our modern words that the ideas underneath them are both the same when they couldn't be more different you know uh and so then yeah we have i i I was just with my family over fourth of july Mm -hmm. and they were asking me how i you know how i can be a christian and a pastor and affirming and i i kept saying i was like you know my one of my one of my siblings said you know like sex is sex and i was like yeah but it's not and and he <laughs> genuinely was like but how is it not like it's not like we invented a new mechanism to do it in the 1500s or something like that like <laughs> right. like it's always worked the same way and i was like i mean yeah right but like what it means and the the role that it plays in the cultural imagination is so dramatically different yeah. that yeah we want to we want to just cherry pick out a verse from the bible 
and bring it into today. And and again, we assume because the words are the same, because the translator chose the words uh, that are the same, then then it must mean the same thing. And it, it just doesn't. Right. Um, but that's hard. And that takes a lot of work, particularly if, like me, you're a cis hetero person who's never had to question these things. Right. Who doesn't uh, doesn't really have a dog in this fight because, you know, no matter yeah. what, I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> no one's ever wondered whether the way I have sex is moral or ethical or not. I, I don't think it's not to my knowledge. Um, there's certainly never been any laws against it. So, um, yeah, like that's all that just makes it really hard. Right. It makes it really difficult to uh, make these invisible things visible. But I think if we do the difficult work of figuring out how to do that, which which I think is a prophetic task. Um, then I think we can be change agents. I think we can. Yeah. No, I like I like the word you said. The prophetic, you know, the prophetic work and 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 doing that. I think, man, I because I'm with you on so many of those on those on those levels. I guess I'm asking, man, the timing of it. I mean, you know, what I'm saying. I mean, it's like you said. It just takes the wheels of 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 justice, if you will, uh, uh to to, to you know to grind down and and to, you know to move forward because i feel like like you said gerrymandering and and uh you, you know voter suppression i mean that shit happens here in illinois as well right and we're seeing we're seeing the consequences of that with the overturning of roe with the denial of affirmative action in college admission i mean right, right. we're seeing we're seeing i li- i i apologize in advance i just read a quote a couple of days ago i already forgot where i read it or who said it so please <laughs> tell me it's all good the the best day to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best wow. day is today. Okay. The second best day is today. Interesting. Interesting. So yeah, you're right. Like we should have been doing this a long time ago, right? I I should have in my institutional training to be a Christian minister been trained in this prophetic task. Absolutely. Right. I should have spent the last 20 years of my life dedicated to making these invisible things visible so that the people of God could be a part of the work of God and overturning them. Absolutely. I wasn't, but I can do it today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what, well, I don't know the answer to that, but I was going to ask what keeps people, I mean, I mean, especially with the amount of knowledge well, I should say access to knowledge because not everybody has the knowledge, but the access to it. Um, how might that? I mean, because I'm, I'm, and I'm genuinely asking because I, 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 this is something that I wrestle with a lot. I would say on a daily basis, these things that kind of just ruminate in my mind and I cogitate on uh, very, very often throughout the day of like what institutionalizes change i remember you know i've said this Mm. this quote before but you know as i remember you know being a part of the la uprisings and you know the aftermath of all that and you know this was 92 so this was probably like in may well it was actually june of 92 uh that's when i graduated high school and that was honestly one of the first times that i learned about juneteenth and i remember i was Mm. i was at and you know how you go through high school, you know, as a black student, I know about as a black student, especially, yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In, in a predominantly black, you know, school wow. that I went to, right? Like, and I'm just learning, and I'm learning about this stuff at a at an event. This wasn't at the school. This was at an event. I was at the this was in Seaside, California, and you know we were organizing, and somebody was like, "Well, let me break this down." And I remember them saying also, like, 
you know, these change takes time, blah, blah, blah. You know, we got to get involved, you know, give it 30 years, you know, and, we'll, and we'll, we'll, we can have a different world. And I'm like, man, then I'm reflecting on that in 2022. And I'm like, damn, it's been three decades since that, man. Like, and I know I'm getting old, but I, it's like the same time, I'm not that old. Like, I'm like, wait a minute, three decades has passed. And I'm just, I feel like I'm slipping ground. Our coach used to make us run hills. We called them hills. Basically, we, I grew up and there were sand dunes all over the place, right? We literally, my high school is like right on the ocean. And so sand dunes are horrible. I mean, especially in full pads. Uh, luckily, we didn't have heat. It wasn't that hot where we were at, but it was still a pain in the butt. And I just remember, you know, going up the hill and it's like you take a step and then you just kind of just fall backwards and stuff. You take another step, you fall backwards. I used to fake like I was throwing up with the people who really were throwing up. So I didn't have to do, because uh, just doing 10 of those things was like, ooh, hell of conditioning. But it felt like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get to the top. Like I've I've used up all of my energy just to get two feet. And I still got another 20 yards to go up this sand dune. And I say that as, like you said, as a cishet male, married, homeowner um yes i'm racially black yes there's you know issues of, of income right like you know my parents haven't left me an inheritance and whatnot and stuff and so everything you see is like okay well i've had to you know build all these these bricks together i'm just i feel like that can be taken so quickly one wrong move one wrong investment on my end yeah and i will be on the streets again like there's no there's no catch net for that. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? With, with all that, I guess, I, I guess yeah. I'm just still trying to figure out, man, like, again, like, where do we go? And maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just too, too, too pessimistic, uh, with, with where we find ourselves now. Um, I don't know. I, those are just my thoughts as, is cause I'm, cause I'm with what you're saying. I guess I'm just like, man, wow. Cause, and when, right? Is it, you know, how long, oh Lord, you know? Um, and I'm tired and of singing, we will overcome. But go ahead. That's, I, no, I'm with you. Like, I, the, there, ha, I, uh, I think Brian Zahn, who's one of the more well known third way white evangelicals. Okay. Uh, I think he is the one who popularized, maybe not. So Brian, forgive me um, if you're not, but I think he is the one who popularized the metaphor of, of the exile for the American church right now. Okay. Okay. And so what, and our denomination has taken it and run with it. I've heard it from a number of our denominational leaders, but again, white evangelicals in particular, have this persecution complex and this, you know, we're the minority in this culture complex and the, and the cult, the larger culture is against us. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the metaphor they've gone to is, is the experience of God's people in Babylon, you know, where we are a minority faith and a minority people in a culture that's hostile towards us. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, the, they, they mine, uh, they mine a lot of the good things that God says to the exiles, uh, particularly through the prophet Jeremiah. So, you know, uh, <clears throat> I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, you know, that, that, all that. Yeah. Business. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but I think what 2016 and 2020 made abundantly clear is that 
if we're going to use the metaphor of exile, the white evangelical church is not Israel after the exile. It's Israel before the exile. Mm. who has made who has made themselves very comfortable with the surrounding culture who is relying on the power of the surrounding culture to keep them i'll say us to keep us safe and to keep us uh flourishing and who is ignoring god's call to care for the most vulnerable and prioritize faithfulness to the weird ways of yahweh over and against the ways of the gods of the surrounding culture and what that resulted in according to jeremiah and according to the other prophets right was wholesale destruction i mean something Mm. that was something that was apocalyptic right something that that resulted in the loss of every institution that gave them meaning you know and and all of that and so um i i don't see any kind of repentance from evangelical institutions. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any evidence that they look at the last seven years, uh, as, uh, as reaping what they've sown since the, I don't know, since Billy Graham, you know, yeah, at least I don't see any evidence that, they, uh, yeah, a- again, as an institution, can we point to certain individuals? Sure, we can. You know, I look, honestly, I look at someone like a Beth Moore, okay. who, you know, uh, I don't know how many times I saw people on Twitter saying, I'm here for woke Beth Moore. Woke <laughs> Beth Moore. I've heard that. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, I mean, yeah. you look at someone who, who underwent some genuine changes mm-hmm. uh before during and after 2016 and then used her significant and substantial platform to try yeah. to advocate for real justice for the most marginalized you know and paid the price for it was was exiled from from the institutions that introduced her to the world yeah uh but while I am grateful for people like Sister Beth, you know, the institutions are doing the same thing. You know, they 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 cast out a prophetess like her, right? Right. Um, I look at my own denomination doing very similar things to the people who are who are trying to call our denomination to a place of what I think is genuine holiness. You know, care for the most vulnerable. They're completely uninterested. In fact, they're making moves to do quite the opposite, right? They're 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 shoring up the bunkers and preparing for you know an all out culture war uh, uh, right. on some of this stuff. Right, right. And so, I uh, this is not an answer to your question. It's just no, no. honestly, yeah. I've been hanging out in the first part of Jeremiah where he, <laughs> where he's the guy saying, uh, "Y'all know that what you're doing is awful, and God's not going to put up with it much longer. And if you don't." Uh, if you don't get things together, uh, it's going to be real bad. And then, of course, they you know they ignored it. Well, they didn't ignore him. They tossed him down a well and tried to kill him and all kinds <laughs> of stuff, right? right. Um, and it was only it was only after it turned out that he was right that they were like, oh, maybe we should listen to this guy right. and uh, save his book <laughs> and pass it down. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, so I, I I guess I do take some comfort from that. Like, uh, evil evil means always have evil ends. And I think about how 
in the in Revelation, there is you know they they depict they depict the spirit of empire as this as this uh, seven headed beast, right? Mm. And then they depict they depict I think those who uh, those who benefit from empire as, uh, you know, the, the whore of Babylon or the harlot of Babylon for, you know, for the censors. Um, and there's a, there's a time when she, uh, the beast turns and devours her. And then, and then there's this great funeral that's held where, where all of those who profited from her exploitation and oppression lament. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that is that is what happens, you know. It's what's what happened with it's what's happened with every unjust empire that we've known in the world. And I wish there were a reliable means to lift us out of that. Yeah. But I think the reality that we've seen again and again and again is uh you can't you can't save people from themselves and again another quote that i don't know where it's from but uh, it was uh, you can wake up someone who's sleeping but you can't wake up someone who's pretending to be asleep he's <laughs> just pretending to be asleep and that's i think that's yeah. what we have i mean how many people know how many people know trickle down economics economics does not yeah. work right right how many right. people know that uh if you're pulled over by a police officer you'd rather be white than black Right. How many people know right. that uh, they see two men out and uh, they're walking next to each other and you don't have any idea whether they're gay or not. And if they are gay, whether they're married or not. And that doesn't affect your hetero marriage either way. Right. Like that. Like there's no like everyone knows this stuff, mm. but we just pretend we don't know it. And you can't. You know, you can't. uh you can't have an honest conversation with someone who's pretending to have an honest conversation, you know? Um, mm. 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 That. And so I think, what do we do? Right. We, yeah. we be faithful. We bear witness. Yeah. That's what Jeremiah did. Right. Again, I, again, I would like to point out against his own will. He described, <laughs> he described God's message as a fire in his bones that he was forced to express lest it consume him from the inside out. Right. Like Jeremiah makes it very clear that this is not something he was choosing to do. Um, I think he would have much rather hid in his house and never said anything and let the world pass him by. Um, but that was not an option for him. I think in the same way that it's not an option for many of us who are genuinely heartbroken by the injustices that we, or if you're like me, who's at the top of the social pyramid, people that we love face and we can't like sitting, uh, sitting with our fingers stuffed in our ears and our eyes closed and singing at the top of our lungs is not an option, you know? Mm -hmm. So we, we try as best we can to bear faithful witness. And that's why I said like, do the, I think for me, at least it's like doing the hard work of figuring out how to make these invisible things visible. But I don't know. Is it pessimistic of me to say that I'm with you? I don't know. I don't, I don't expect much change. <laughs> well, yeah. I think one of the things that I love so much about Jr. is that he's a thinker. Um, he's very well read and I appreciate every conversation, whether it's about barbecue, theology, history, uh, him living in Texas, 
Uh, whatever the conversation is, I've always appreciated just his own knowledge on things. And uh, he's not afraid to say, I don't know. Uh, he's also not afraid to be like, yeah, you know, I've only done X, Y, Z, and I'm not familiar with that. And I've really appreciated that about him. Um, a, a friendship that was started through, you know, my, the conference I go to, AAR, American Academy of Religion. Uh, he made it out one year, and uh, I, I'm very thankful that he did because uh, a, a lifelong, uh, at least from this end, and I'm pretty sure he would say it on that end as well, uh, friendship has um, been cultivated, and uh, I've just been thankful for him. Uh, just his friendship, his partnership, uh, his insight into different things with life, whether it be the podcast, whether it be dealing with different political components, different with dealing with different, you know, aspects of, you know, him being a pastor and still trying to figure out what do we do next? Um, and that for me is always the thing, right? It's like, how are people developing? How are folks going to that? And I don't want to say next level because that sounds very 1996. Um, <laughs> but I, but how are people reshaping their worldview? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I hope that I'm not in the same thinking space um, a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now. I hope that I've progressed on and not devote, you know, devoted myself uh, to one ideology or one worldview. And that's what I can say I respect a lot about brother jr he is uh a, a, he continues on and i love to hear and i love to see just really where the next chapter uh and next next era for him uh takes him uh particularly with where he finds himself in a state that is doing some just evil things uh that governor is is just evil in the incarnate component of evil when you're developing things to make people drown when you're developing things to, to 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 have them to stop them at all costs at all means that's just evil and don't come at me with the oh but you got to protect our borders not what it involves killing people um that's that is not the way <laughs> i'm not a, a a a politician but i can tell you right now that is not the way putting devices in the river uh, that kill people just along with the other policies that are being passed uh, in that state um i you know jr continues to navigate that i uh, had a chance to spend some time earlier this year with him um and uh and amanda who is his wife his partner uh who is just in and of herself an amazing person in fact i should probably get her on the show because her life alone i mean she's doing amazing things she's working as a therapist she's also a roller derby person uh she's doing amazing so i had a chance to meet their friends their family their community um and you know <laughs> i was just blown away uh it was just nice to be in 50 60 degree weather in february or actually january it was early january uh so it was nice to go down there and just spend some time hang out um jr slowly getting me into horror <laughs> and uh helping me uh, understand some of the nuances uh, of all that and that's what i've appreciated about him we we're able to hold a lot of different conversations um he's a good friend um and he's a good example too as well um of uh just where we, we where i find my own self holding my own theology faith um spirituality um i and you know and even though we're in different spaces uh we can still come together in a common middle 
And I've appreciated that. I love that. And and that's what I seek out in friendships. Um, and, you know, there's different various forms of friendship. But I do consider JR a friend, part of the family. Um, one of them peoples that don't even got a call when they in town. Just show up and we'll hook it up. You know what I'm saying, fam? Check out the rest of this interview uh, with us. But first, a word from some of our sponsors. Then I think she endures verbal abuse for a season and she endures perhaps being smacked one night and then she seeks help from the church. There is a pile of dead bodies behind the Mars Hill bus <laughs> and by God's grace it'll be a mountain by the time we're done. You either get on the bus or you get run over by the bus. Those are the options. There's nothing holy about writing discrimination into the law and I am tired of communities of faith being weaponized because the only time religious freedom is invoked is in the name of bigotry and discrimination. I'm tired of it. Hi, I'm Nate, producer and co-host on the Full Mutuality Podcast. Let's talk about inequality. It's everywhere. Whether it's rooted in race, gender, ability, or sexuality, there's bound to be an imbalance in power, influence, representation, and access. On our show, we want to explore areas of religion, culture, and society where justice is needed in order to bring about true mutuality. I hope you'll join us for some enlightening, fun, and at times uncomfortable conversations as we envision a world where everyone can live free from systems and structures that keep us from being truly equal. You can find us on your favorite podcast app or visit our website, fullmutuality.com, to find a list of all the platforms we're available on. Subscribe today and we'll see you on the Full Mutuality Podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Nate from the Full Mutuality Podcast. I wanted to take a moment to say thank you for tuning into this show. We're so grateful that you've decided to spend your time with us. Seriously, Dan, Gail, Jessica, Kathleen, Scott, and the rest of us here at the Dauntless Media Collective couldn't produce content like the show you're listening to without your support. I'd also like to invite you even further into the conversation. Right now, there are some great discussions happening over in the Dauntless Media Collective Discord server. If you're interested in chatting with other folks who are deconstructing and decolonizing the oppressive traditions that they came from, please feel free to hop on into the server. If you don't know what Discord is, it's a place where communities can gather online for chatting on a wide variety of topics. In our Discord server, we have channels devoted to general deconstruction conversations, some meme sharing, therapeutic venting about whatever religious bullshit you're currently dealing with, and even a channel specifically devoted to talking about the latest episodes of the podcast you're listening to right now. I hope you'll join us. You can log in directly to the Dauntless server by clicking the link in the show notes or heading to dauntless.fm and clicking the link in the top banner. See you there. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, is, this is great, man. This is why I love talking with you. Let me ask you this. Why do you think God, however we look at God, sitting in the clouds, some different dimension, whatever, um, how do, why do you think God wants to use humans? Like, why would God not come in and just be like, I, right, y'all done messed all this shit up. Um, <laughs> let me, let me, let me, let me fix all this stuff up, man. Like, let's, let's hold up, hold up. Let me, 
You know, like, why is that right callings? Like, why is God trying to go through? And if God is this all powerful, all creative, like if I think about somebody who's created a a universe, a solar system, a planet, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, if you got that kind of power, um, golly, the science behind that, that's, you know, systems, like, really? But I don't know. I mean, what what do you think theologically, man? Yeah, I mean this this is this is the eternal problem of evil, right? Um I, I do I will say this. I have moved away from looking at God as sort of a creator by dictate by dictator by fiat. Okay. Um into a God who creates by invitation. Okay. All right. Um All right. so for instance, uh the 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 creation poem in Genesis one uh i think really doesn't pop until you you put it against the backdrop of the babylonian creation myth uh that it's riffing on the enuma elish yeah and in the enuma elish you have uh, i mean really there's a lot of gods in the babylonian pantheon but the the two the two that that are really the most important are marduk who's the the chief babylonian god the the babylonian corollary to yahweh mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then tiamat who is the uh the sea dragon of d and my D, D nerds out there be like what what tiamat yeah <laughs> come on, come um, on, man. anytime come on. anytime you anytime your dnd &D brings out tiamat you know it's a total party kill so um but she's she's a she's a she's the goddess of the primordial waters right so she represents sort of uncreation she represents chaos and disorder and death in a lot of ways mm. right uh and so in the in the babylonian creation account uh marduk goes to war against tiamat slays her cuts her body in half mm. and then uses her body to create the world uh you can see that happening in Genesis one, where God comes to the the water the waters of the deep, um, and they're formless and empty, which is the the Hebrew tohu vavohu, right? It's uh, and and th those are the that's the those are the the corollary words that describe Tiamat, you know, the the chaotic un, unformed waters, and so you know they typically in English get rendered formless and empty. Okay. Uh, okay. And, then, and then what what you see throughout Genesis as as the six days progress is forms and fill. So days mm. one through three is light and dark, and then the two halves of the water, right? The skies above, or the waters above the skies, and the waters below the skies, and then the land and the sea. And then on days four, five, and six, you get the filling of the forms. So for light and dark, you get the sun and the moon and the stars. For the, the waters and the skies, you get the birds and the fish. And then for the land, you get the animals and then ultimately the people. And the difference, which again, I think is so significant for the Hebrews who are receiving this poem in the wake of the exile, having been conquered by Babylon, having, you know, had their entire culture destroyed by Babylon's sword, and then being told Babylon justifies this by saying, well, this is our God, this is what our God does, right? Marduk slays the darkness and, and creates space for us. 
Then you have what Yahweh doing, which is let there be, which is this gentle, loving invitation to the formless and the empty, right? Mm. And so instead of this, instead of this divine combat where Marduk is slaying and butchering uh, and all of this, you have you have Yahweh inviting the formless and the empty into this ordered, beautiful, full cosmic temple where then Yahweh dwells with Yahweh's own images, which are mm. humankind, right? Mm. Um, I think that, I think that aligns really well with our understanding of God as triune as well, okay. where we have the, the father and the son expressing this self-giving holy love to each other that then basically splashes out and overflows into what we call the Holy spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Where I, again, another quote that I read, this is from our, one of my favorite of our Nazarene theologians, Craig Keene. He was quoting someone else who said that uh, they described the Holy Spirit as superfluous, okay. <laughs> which is uh, which is provocative, right? Like, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean the Holy Spirit's like excessive and wasteful? And it's like, no, but that's the point, right? That the, the Spirit is what we call that like splashing over of the love that, that exists between the Father and the Son yeah. uh, in, in eternity. And and it's this it's this reckless uh exuberance that comes from joy right like mm-hmm. if you and i toast and we slam our cups together and some of the drink spills out and that's we don't look at that as waste as much as it's this sort of just like uh celebrative overflow right yeah. um so yeah i i I guess what I see God doing when God chooses Israel, when God comes to us as Jesus and says, follow me, when God gives up God's own life on the cross for us, uh, when God is at work in the world, I see God continuing this path of gentle, loving invitation to us. And that, uh, I think that sucks because I would love, honestly, if I'm being vulnerable and truthful, yes. I, I often would prefer God, the dictator to just come down. And, uh, this is the Psalms, right? The imprecatory Psalms, like, like, uh, take care of all of the wicked and give them what they deserve and blah, you know, all like, I, I would love, I would love to pray those things. Um, I honestly think what gives me pause a little bit there is that when I read scripture, it occurs to me that being a, uh, well-educated middle-class cis-hetero white American male that if someone's going to get their just desserts the way scripture describes it, it's likely going to be me because if, if God rise, raises up the poor and casts down the, the rich, well, I mean, from a global perspective, I'm in the top, like what, 3% or something like that. Mm. Right. So I don't know. Like, I like to think of myself as a just person, or at least someone who's trying to be just. But, but mm, I, I don't. I don't know if I want to see myself through the sort of like outside objective lens of God. Hmm. And so, as much as I, as much as I say that I want God, the dictator, to come down and smash the people that need smashing, I'm also pretty sure that includes me. And maybe I'm maybe I'm selfishly grateful that it's more of a gentle, loving invitation for me to recognize my own privilege, recognize the the places where I flourish because of injustice that I benefit from, and then can work together with people who love me 
and whom I love to figure out what it looks like for us to be more, more just. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I like that, man. I don't think I've heard it broke down like that, man. Again, this is why, this is why you giving to people what they paid for, man. This is what I'm talking about, man. This is, I think that's, I mean, that gets me thinking in a whole bunch of different ways. I think about how much we don't know. I mean, you, you mentioned the, the, you know, the person who, you know, the translator, you know, and, and what they've put the language into, you know, and whatnot. And I think about just the amount of things that we as collectively, right, as a, as a species, humanity, or, you know, that we don't get in, in, and also, right, that, that gentleness. Cause I, I do think there is something, you know, to that. I, you know, and these are the questions I think that come up a lot in, in regards to mm-hmm. where we're at right now. I saw a, a video on Instagram recently, you know, with somebody just talking about how all oh, this God that's out there, you know, does if they, if, you know, if he doesn't like you, you know, he'll, you know, that like there's this all this. They're talking about like animal sacrifices and about how, you know, we got to We had to. um you know, wipe the, 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 or put the blood of the animal on the door. Lot was called a righteous person, but then, you know, but he also sacrificed up, you know, so it's kind of going through some of all the contradictions and, and whatnot, but I think a lot, so much again of, of, of what we don't know, which is why I think, you know, it's a, it's a constant renewal of going in and, and, and researching and looking, like you said, you go in and look at these ancient times. Um, well, let me ask you a different correlation. And I know our time is, is nigh. I don't want to keep you all day, man. I could talk with you literally for hours. I know, I wish, right? This I, is what we do. I, right. I wish I had a recorder when I was in. Uh, that's what I told Emily. I was like, man, I wish I had taken the microphone and just recorded all the conversations JR and I had. Um, and Amanda uh, as well, you know. Um, well, let me ask you this. How do you, why do you see those correlations in current pop culture theology? I'm just finishing up the new season of Black Mirror. Um, Demons, <laughs> Demon 79. <laughs> Was 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 killing me, man, killing me. I was like, wow. Uh, so yeah, pop culture. I just saw that Kathleen. I'm forgetting her name. Last name Kennedy. They might be out at Lucasfilm. I saw some real oh, nasty. Oh, I didn't see that. Uh, I yeah, I saw some real nasty posts from people. Anyways, I I I'm I'm curious because you're like the guru. You have inspired me. I'm like, okay, we're waiting for. We're going through the previews of a movie. I look over and Jr. is reading from his tablet. I'm like, man, I need to do more like that. I need to be more like Jr. Man, I need to be reading while we're waiting for the previews. Uh, it's just because I see so many movies <laughs> that I see the trailers right. like ten times by the time the movie comes out, <laughs> right. and then then I then I then it's not fun anymore, right? <laughs> right. That that I just need to be clear, Dan. That was not me being like a maximizer of my time. That was me like desperately trying to <laughs> avoid watching the trailer. I heard that. Well, it was inspirational, regardless. I was like, man, I gotta get my e-reader out, man. This is this is <laughs> this is some good shit right here, man. I will I will fully give that to my wife. That was her uh that was her innovation there. So Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Volume three. What your thoughts? I, and by the way, for those of you listening, if you're not following Jr. on on Instagram, you really have to. The snapshots that you give and ratings that you give of different films, I find are amazing. Every time I see it pop up, I'm like, all right, let me go read this real quick, and then compare it to what I let me go in heads up on that band. But yeah, I mean, so I thought I, I thought Guardians was incredible. Okay. Uh, to the point that I, I would love at some point to sit down with James Gunn 
and just because you know he write he wrote it as yeah. well as directed it right yeah but I you know I noticed and I, I got uh, Sojourners let me write a uh, sort of a little bit longer form about that um, but I noticed uh, a number of things uh, one you had uh, I think I I think in my little review haiku I put on Instagram I called it scripture in reverse because as you work through the film you see you see things moving backwards through the story of scripture culminating with where star Lord is literally brought back to life by Mm. Adam Warlock in a explicit recreation of Michelangelo's, the creation of Adam where Adam Warlock is reaching out as God and (laughs) touching star Lord's finger. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm like, Oh, you know, when that, like before that, I'm like, I'm like, "Mm, this feels, but maybe I'm just that guy that reads too much into it. And then that happened. And I was like, okay, like we're not, we're not being subtle anymore, you know, but but we have, we have relatively early in the film, like essentially the book of revelation where, where, what do they call it? Counter earth, right. Is destroyed in an apocalypse of fire. Mm -hmm. And then you have a very, Noah's Ark esque sort of inversion where all of these animals are saved from a ship that is being destroyed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this sort of thing, and then and then you have right after that the the sort of creation of Adam narrative. So you know, I'm I'm looking at this and saying, okay, we're 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 sort of rewinding the story of Scripture in this final installment, and we are ending with the creation of a new community, right? Where, where star Lord has gone off and is, is no longer part of the guardians, but this, this whole family has come together and is, you know, has healed in a number of ways and is, you know, kind of restored to their best selves. Uh, you know, you have someone like Drax. I mean, Drax goes from Drax, the destroyer to Drax, the dad, right? right. Like this, And we know, right. we know from the first movie that that's his whole, like his whole, thing was revenge for his family right and now yeah. he's he's brought into this new way to be a father to all of these kids uh which is just beautiful right we have nebula who you know literally feels like she was taken apart and reconstructed as a monster yeah. and no one could love her because of who she is and what she's done and then she finds uh she, she again finds finds a community that not only accepts her but elevates her and right. celebrates her yeah right um you have rocket same kind of thing who he's always he's always kept people at arm's length because of what we find out you know what happened with right. his that uh was, yeah yeah Woo. and and he's never been able to admit what he was and then you get that great line at the end of the movie was like i'm rocket raccoon and you're, you're like ah! <laughs> <laughs> right right and you see him you see him like come to this place of being able to accept what has been done to him and understand that that doesn't have to define him, but instead he can wear it as a badge of honor as he's Mm. a survivor. He's going to, he's going to live in honor of his friends and, and, and their memory. And he's going to be what he is to, uh, celebrate them and to honor them. And so then he becomes, he becomes a leader instead of the kind of like the guy that's always like joking and picking and, you know, kind of causing causing problems um he, he becomes the one who's the leader which you know we've known he's always had in him right like yeah. you, you've always seen that potential so i just it was such a it was such a beautiful i think to me illustration of the creative potential of christian community yeah. you know um that that this is this is what the church 
could be at its best. And, you know, maybe that does require us to undo a lot of the damages that have been, that we have done through our story, you know? Mm. Um, but it was, I, I'm pun intended Marvel (laughs) at when we see creators like James Gunn who so intentionally reach for biblical imagery you know, particularly when playing with the themes that they're playing with, because you would think that if there was ever a time he was going to do that, it would have been in guardians two, where we have, you find out your dad's a God and that has implications for you, right? Right, Like, okay, there's like a real nearby Jesus allegory there. Right. And, and yet he doesn't, he does it when we're doing this like other sort of thing, you know? Um, and it is about creation. It is about, you know, um, what is it? The the high evolutionary says something about like, there is no God. I am God or something. I mean, there's, mm-hmm. yeah, there's plenty of God talk in there, but the, but again, the themes are much more intimate than what we've seen in previous, you know, they're not trying to save the universe in this one. They're trying to save a ship full of animals. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, they're trying to save rocket, like in a lot of ways through most of the film. Right. Um, so it's, it's, it's significantly lower stakes uh, in a way that felt great. I thought, yeah, you know? I did too. I'll never look so. at baby raccoons again the same, man. That was <laughs> very touching. And especially when, when he gets to see them again and, you know, they're like welcoming in, you know, and uh-huh. you know what I'm saying? I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, this it's is just, too much. It's just beautiful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I like that, man. This again, this is this is this is why, man. I and and again, your your reviews of things. I I still I need to see well, okay, Indiana Jones in the Dial of Destiny. Um, again, I know you can go off on that. I was also curious about your review of, uh, was it the Pope's Exorcist? Because I was as soon as I saw the review of that, I was like, oh, I know Jr. going to be first one in line to you know to see this one and stuff, man. Um, you know that movie was pretty mediocre. Yeah, but Russell Crowe, man, he was having the time of his life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it. I look. People, people who know me know I love horror. Yeah, and that movie was that movie was chugging along on all cylinders, and then it decided to shift into a CGI uh, soup for the third act, and for reasons I'm still unclear on, because <laughs> a lot of the things they did with practical effects earlier in the film were so much more interesting. Yeah, um, but they, you know, they've already greenlit a sequel to it. Uh, oh wow! It's it's, it's totally fine and it's again it's one of those that's based on a real person like he was a guy who was the vatican's yeah. chief exorcist for yeah. a lot of years mm-hmm. uh, and apparently he was like quite a character the way that russell crowe portrays him okay so, okay um it's it's really refreshing and delightful the way the way crow embodies this guy because he's he he almost comes across like a jokester until he's until he's facing the demons. And then even then with the demons, he's just like, he's, he's, um, he's a professional. Like you get the idea that this dude does this for a living. Right. Yeah. And so it's, it's not like, uh, like, I don't know if, if folks have seen the conjuring movies where Ed and Lauren yeah. Warren are like, quote unquote, forced to do it. Cause the church won't send. They're like, well, we're not qualified, but we'll try our best. You know, no, this guy's like this, like he gets up and eats demons for breakfast. Right. And so right. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's just the, the way he carries himself, the way he portrays himself, the way everyone else in the scene is terrified. And he's like, now nah, we're good. 
you know, it's just like a really, like it's, it's a really fun spin yeah. on the genre. Right. Right. And again, like the third act made some questionable CGI choices that I just wish they would. I don't know if it was a budgetary restraint cause this was a fairly low budget film, uh, or if it was more expedient or what, but I wish horror people would remember that, man, there's nothing like a good practical effect, right? Yes. Like, yes. Yes. Spray me with some corn syrup. Turn on the green pea soup fire hose, right? <laughs> Look, let's let's get goopy. That's what we're here for. That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh man, JR. It has been always as always been amazing talking with you and just just going around, Ben, a little bit. Thank you for taking the time out and coming on the show and sharing your knowledge uh, with you as always, where can folks find you? What do you, you know, where, where are you at on the interwebs and, and all that good stuff? Cause I know you got that, that you writing for sojourners, which I think I want to make sure plug that as well too. Yeah. I think since the last time I've been on the show, I became an official columnist for sojourners, which all up. that means is I write more frequently for them. So uh, if you, you can go to their website and look for me, I think my, my most recent article, uh, depending on when this airs, I have one that's coming out soon on what the second season of the bear can teach us about church growth. Oh, uh, and then I, I also wrote one for uh, the best movie of the year so far across the spider verse uh, and actually how that challenges the idols of our sacred stories. So um, really, really good stuff. Well, I think I'm biased, but I, I really enjoyed writing. I'll say yeah. this. My editor at Sojourners lets me take some pretty big and weird swings. And I always appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. So I really enjoyed writing both, both of those. Again, the bear, if the bear article is not up yet, it will be shortly. Um, but it should be up, I think, by the time this episode airs. Our podcast, The Fascinating Podcast, is on a break right now. But I will say, if you enjoyed this conversation Dan and I had, you will really like the most recent episode in our feed, which is an interview with a YA author named Gracie Kim. Mm. Uh, we talk about Korean mythology and how that how that uh, makes us think about st uh, storytelling and how that connects to questions about God and the universe and everything. So, uh, yeah, if you're a profane faith listener, I got to say, I'd be surprised if you don't enjoy that interview because Gracie is amazing. Oh, that's what I'm talking so, about. I'll put all these in the show else, notes. Yeah, I'm just at Jr. Forestero. So okay, any, no. anywhere that's worth finding me, and several places that aren't. So, <laughs> <laughs> right, I know what you mean. Oh, I know about that. Um, well, like I said, for those who listening, I'll put these all in the show notes. WhiteOdgePodcast.com forward slash Profane Faith. You can always find all the links down there. I'll make sure people get that. Again, Jr., thank you so much. A wealth of information. Dan, I. I I feel like we never talk enough, no matter how much we talk. Right. So it's always a pleasure right. to be on with you. I hear that. Hey, fam, before you sign off here and stop listening to the show, wanted to give you just a quick heads up that uh, we are going to be taking a mid-season summer break, so to speak. Um, uh, given that the show is now, you know, two weeks, uh, every other week, I should say, excuse me, uh, rather, uh, I figured, you know, it's a good. this is a good point to pause in the uh, season 
uh, still season seven. So we're going to take a, some time off and uh, come back probably early fall um, just to regroup, get things together, um, line up some new guests, all that good stuff um, between uh, all the things going on uh, from the beginning of the year to now. Uh, there's a few guests that I had lined up uh, and for whatever reason, one one reason or another, uh, they weren't able to make, make it. And so we've rescheduled for later. Um, and so if you're a fan of the show, again, we're going to be taking a break and um, yeah, we'll be back uh, probably sometime in the fall uh, there for you. So Keep that in mind. And really, this really only applies to those of you who are listening real time um, and wondering like, hey, what's what's going on? You know, if you're listening to this in not real time and listening to this in uh, a, you know, a time and space that is later, you'll just go on to the next episode. This doesn't even pertain uh, to you. But for those of you listening, appreciate your support. Appreciate you listening. We will be back for sure. Uh, Got to finish out season seven strong. Um, so we'll definitely be back. All right. All right, fam. Take care. It's a good time to catch up on things.